Hello, everyone, and welcome to our RBQM podcast series. My name is Amy Adams, Senior Director of Clinical Operations here at Parkcell. I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues, Amy Kissam Sands, Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations, and Dr. Kristen Murphy, Senior Director and Global Head of the Change and Adoption Center of Excellence. Risk-based quality management, or RBQM, is becoming a core component of global regulations, and industry adoption will require large-scale organizational change. This will happen in a number of areas, like operations, technologies, roles, and capabilities. This means a robust change management strategy plays a critical role in the success of implementing RBQM in your organization. Today's discussion is the second of our RBQM podcast series, and we'll discuss strategies that you can use to implement RBQM practices and change behaviors from the organizational level down to the individual. Amy and Kristen, thank you for joining me today. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. RBQM requires new behaviors. So driving organizational change is important to realize the benefits of RBQM. It could seem overwhelming to some. How do you suggest companies get started? I think you already articulated the expansiveness of change that's required for RBQM. And I, and I think beyond having a standard approach for change management that an organization must take, the first step is really about looking at the expanse of the change within that organization and asking questions around the overall organizational readiness for change, such as, do we have the change vision in place? Is that clear? What are the gaps? What are our strengths? What does success look like holistically? And, and most importantly, you know, how big of a lift will this be for the organization? Because fundamentally, like, like we said, there's this huge expanse of change and it's really sitting within an ecosystem of change that relates to patient site sponsors and the overall industry. Yeah, and Kristen, to add to that, I think what's really important within the change management is we need to look at all parts of change and really look at the end in mind. Our jobs are to develop clinical trials to keep our patients safe, to protect and to produce quality data that allows our sponsors to make decisions about safety and efficacy about their drugs and their devices. In a risk-based approach, we must always keep the patient at the heart of what we do. And when we talk about that, we need to be thinking about how do we develop or design studies in which we need to understand what are the barriers for our patients that are entering these studies, what it might take for those patients to complete the assessments or even to adhere to the protocol. And I'll say too often than not, sometimes we look at protocols and they may be scientifically sound, but they're operationally impossible. And with risk-based monitoring thinking, the behaviors that we need to put forth are understanding what are those critical elements, what's the critical data that's needed, and that will help us build what are the foundational pieces that's needed for this end-to-end risk management. So it's about really taking and acknowledging what are all the upstream and the downstream impacts of those decisions and the criticality of those handoffs that will help us to create this culture to focus on high value task and proactive risk management. 
Yeah, I think, Amy, when you mentioned critical thinking and critical behaviors, what we're talking about here is culture change. And really, because with culture change, you're changing behavior and really trying to get people to think differently and really understand what's important, what they should value. And, and obviously, it's the patient. But to really engage and motivate people at that level, they, they really need to be feeling connected to that purpose. People don't want to feel like they're a cog in a wheel. They want to feel like they're connected to something bigger. And that's one way to think about it is we're all play these critical parts within this puzzle that is much bigger than those critical parts, that we all fit into this bigger picture together. And that picture always leads back to the patient that you nicely shared with us already. I like the puzzle analogy. We talked about driving change at the organizational level, but let's take it down to the individual level. Our industry is highly regulated and there are many guardrails for risk management, but they don't get to the how. What are ways to successfully change behavior on an individual level and how do you get people to think critically? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it deals with getting people to think beyond the immediate tasks they have at hand. I think we run the risk often of kind of getting stuck in this groundhog day where we do the same tasks, the same routines for our function. We understand that we're part of something, but we don't really think about it enough. And we really need to understand our role and why it's important to the end-to-end life cycle of a clinical trial project and how that picture, that project really relates back to the picture uh, of the patient and adding value to the patient, bringing new therapeutic practices and healthcare practices for the patient. And we already said about kind of you know, about the organizational change and kind of going back to that puzzle analogy. I mean, setting the organization in the right state of readiness is putting that border in place first around that puzzle. And we already talked about the individual pieces of that puzzle. But now it's like understanding the connector pieces. How does one segment of activity within a life cycle or project relate to another? And really getting people to kind of understand the different functional areas and how their responsibilities fit into that. And the responsibilities for the group that came before them to do the set of tasks that they had, as well as the functions and the responsibilities of the group that they hand things off to. And that's really getting people to turn it from just being guidelines that we're giving them or they're being given to them, turning that into a habit. So every day when they come into work and they come to set to do their tasks, that they step back first and think about what's different today? What did I notice yesterday that might have had an impact on what I'm doing today? Or what am I working on today that that might have an impact on the person next to me? What's the risks and the opportunities that maybe came up today that I need to pay closer attention to? Because at the end of the day, it's all going to have an impact on the patient. Yeah. And thank you, Kristen. I think you just nailed it really is always keeping the patient in the forefront. And if we look at this and distill it down to maybe individuals to ask themselves three questions, how is this making it better for the patient? What am I doing each and every day that I'm making sure that I have the patient at the forefront of what we do? The second question is, what are we doing to be more efficient? How am I in my daily tasks doing things that I'm always taking a risk-based approach? Am I leveraging the systems to inform me, to tell me about data that is proactively going to tell me if there's a risk or actions that I need to do? 
And then also is how do we make sure that we're adding elements of quality by design? And what does quality by design mean? It means that we're always looking at what is most critical, what's most critical about the data that we're looking at and about the processes that we're delivering. It would be great to leave our listeners with a few key pointers that they can use to get started driving RBQM behaviors in their organization. What do you suggest? Well, I think Amy got us started by articulating so beautifully earlier three key questions already. And I think to continue with that, for me, it boils down to always being clear on the what, the how, and most importantly, the why. I think organizations in general over-rotate on the what and the how. All three of these questions are important for effective communications, but it's the why that's really going to connect people to making a change, to driving new behaviors and feeling connected to a broader purpose. Yeah, Kristen, I can't agree with you more. My advice would be to ask why three times. Each and every time you ask, you'll be able to go deeper and deeper into the understanding of the root cause. And it's important for us to always tie back to our purpose, which is to keep our patients safe and to provide quality data to bring our medicines to market. So understanding your why and connecting that to purpose is always critical. Amy Kissam-Sands, Dr. Kristen Murphy, thank you for a great conversation today. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope that you will check out future episodes of our RBQM podcast series dropping monthly. And if you missed our first podcast, Getting It Right Up Front, Managing Study Risk from End to End, you can find it on parexcel.com. 